Right, uh, last week we had a look at uh, what is the most important thing that we should be committed to. Oh, children's church. Adios. Go and enjoy children's church, kids. May God speak to your hearts. Last week we looked at what is the most important thing that you are to be committed to in your life. Is it fame? Is it money? Is it wealth? What is it? Is it leisure? Is it pleasure? Or should it be gone? The question is, are you completely committed to him? And does he take first priority in your lives? Talks cheap. And last week we had a look at that. And if you weren't here, I'd like to encourage you. Go and look on YouTube and go and see the steps that you need and I need to take to ensure that he remains our first commitment in life. And then we, we all agreed that the second was our spouse. Now, if you are not married, forgive me, but also don't forgive me because you need it. Because the tragedy is that there are too few people that can speak truth into people's lives. So even if you are not married, you can counsel people that are married. Do you know that Paul spoke on marriage, yet he was not married? He gave, he gave in my opinion, some of the greatest counsel when it comes to marriage. Some of you may aspire to marriage, so he has a good opportunity to learn some amazing truths. And some of you that have messed up, maybe God will give you a second or a third chance. I hope it's not a fourth and a fifth, but at least may this one be the right one. And or, may, may, or should I say, may this one, you go in with eyes wide open and not make the same mistakes as you did in the past. So I hope that you will listen with attentive ears and hearts. I also want to say that I do not claim for one split second to have made it in this regard. So I don't speak from any form of arrogance, okay? I, I do my best to live according to God's way and to be a good husband and a good father. But let me tell you, I have lots of growing. So, the first commitment in life is to God, second to our spouse. Hence my title, The Eight Core Habits to be Committed to in Marriage. Let's have a look. These are, these are my eight. This is what I think, okay? Um, I think before we really get into that, I think it's very important for us to realize that in, I believe that if, uh, a nation is only as strong as its family unit, right? And a family unit can only be strong if its couple is strong, if the husband and wife are strong. If the husband and wife are not strongly knitted together as one, as the Bible says it should be, you'll have total disarray and you'll have insecure children. The minute there's security in, between a husband and wife, there's security with your children. And I used to, even when my kids were this high, and I would test this, and we Anchin and I would play fight, and the, the kid, not one of them could take it, not one. Who of you have done that? Come on. You play fight, and the, immediately the kids want to come between. No, no, don't. That, it freaks them out. Every single one of them I did it with, and every single one of my sons freaked out. They cannot take it. Hence, never ever fight in front of your kids. It will bring disunity and tremendous insecurity in their hearts. So, make sure that you are strong as a married couple. 
Because that is what will make a nation strong. And the nations of the, this world are in a total mess. Why? Because men and women do not know how to be godly husband and wives. Because they've steered away from it, taking God at his word. And saying, how should I run this institution that you have put in place? Very important fact is that we need to realize marriage was not instituted by man, but it was instituted by God. Hence, he's the one that makes the rules. And if you play according to his rules, you will succeed. If you play according to your rules, you will not succeed. Guaranteed. And God puts certain, if you want to call it rules or principles in place, that the minute you live by them, you can be guaranteed success in your marriage. Even if you do not believe in God, if you apply them, you'll have a happy marriage. How crazy is that? eh? Because he's gracious. He allows the rain to fall on the righteous and on the unrighteous. What a God he is. eh? Now, when we enter into marriage, we enter into covenant. And covenant means a sacrificial, permanent relationship. Okay? And you never make covenant, you always cut covenant. There, for, a covenant for there to be a covenant, there has to be bloodshed. How awesome is that? Why do you think a woman has a hymen? Hmm? How amazing is that? That the minute you consummate your marriage, there's covenant. That's why you never enter into it lightly or unadvisedly, but always in the reverence and the fear of God. That is why for God... Premarital sex is unacceptable because you've entered into a covenant with that person and there's a soul tie there that if you do not commit to one another, you have this bond with one another. That is why for God, he says, no, 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 don't go down that road. It's not just because of having children and the hurt that causes that. It's because of a soul tie that is, it comes about through the covenant that you have cut with that person. Who knows what the number one reason is for divorce? No one's going to guess it, I bet you. Come on, give it to me. Sorry? No. Trust, okay, no. Infidelity, no. Sorry? Communication, no. (laughs) Almost who said that? (laughs) Uh, It's not communication, sex or money in my opinion. It is... and, and I've read books on those kind of things, and yes, they are major, major roles that uh, have to play in that regard. But I think the number one thing that uh, causes separation and divorce is a broken heart. Because we enter into marriage with these expectations. These expectations are not met. I have a broken heart, and then I say, whoa, this is not for me, and I jump out. And it can be a broken heart caused by money issues, abuse, whatever the case may be. But if you go down to the courts because of a broken heart, that has not been healed. When you, who, who, who believes that the marriage vows are biblical? If you put up your hand, then you were not at some of the sermons I've preached in this church before. Who believes that they are from the Bible? 
Okay, let me share a scripture with you that's, that goes something like, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. So should you make a promise? No. Why? Because you can't keep it. Why? Because I can't keep it. Why? Because I'm human and I have a sinful nature. And God knows it. That's why he says, don't do that. Now, are the marriage vows beautiful? Yes, I think they... But if you go down to it and you read it and you listen to it carefully, it was so funny that last week I shared with someone and I went through it in sickness and in health. and in For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. Do you see that it, it's preparing you even for the worst? You're committing to even the worst. And it is very difficult to commit to those things. And it takes a person of tremendous integrity to stick to that. So should you be saying those vows? Well, that's up to you. Just make sure that you, you, what you say you need to honor. Okay? Do you know that the average marriage nowadays only lasts how many years? Seven years. That's the average marriage today. Last seven years. Some of you here in your marriage are on autopilot and you just, but you're going nowhere. Nowhere exciting and vibrant. And God, I believe, wants to change that. That all of our marriages are exciting. Who wants an exciting marriage? Only some of you. I can hear man. Can I start it? Who wants an exciting marriage? Or do you just want to come and see a happy-go-lucky marriage? Come on, man. I believe God wants us to enjoy our married life. And I want to share with you the eight core habits that I believe that if we commit to in our marriage, we'll have a happy marriage. Are you ready? Number one, be committed to praying together. Be committed to praying together. And I think many of us in that regard fail. Okay. James 5 verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Not just your brothers and sisters, but even your spouse, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I know in the context of that it's talking about physical healing, but I also believe that, that you can apply it to emotional healing. And we need to learn to pray together that where we have slipped up and we've hurt one another, that we can learn to repent, make right, confess it. Because sometimes people are bad at saying, listen, I'm sorry. But in their prayer, they can repent to God and then it's almost like, a, I've seen that. Hello. Good opportunity to repent and make right and create an atmosphere of gratitude. Sometimes I've seen spouses will not say thank you to one another, but they say thank you in their prayers. But I want to encourage you, make sure that you live with gratitude and pray. Praise your spouse and thank your spouse continuously. Remember that saying, the family that, what? Prays together, stays together. All of you know that it seems to me. What about the couple that prays together? Maybe we should implement that, eh? Not just the family, but the couple. Because this is, I think, very neglected in most marriages. Number two, be committed to sexual satisfaction within the confines of your marriage. I hope I don't need to say that. Okay? 1 Corinthians 7 verse 2 to 5. But since there is so much immorality... 
Each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone but also to her husband. In other words, my wife's body is mine, but it's also hers. But it's also mine. In other words, she cannot withhold her body from me because she gave her body to me. Hello? But because I honor and respect her, I would never violate her and I wouldn't use her body in any way that would degrade her or dishonor her. That is the perimeters, okay? Carries on. Uh, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to other. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. This belongs to me, but also to my wife. Carries on verse 5. Do not, de- do not deprive each other. Do not withhold yourself. Okay? Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent. And if you do this, it must only be for a time. So that you may devote yourself to prayer. If you never fast and pray then you have no right ever in your life to withhold yourself from your spouse. That's what this is saying. Who has ever said no to your spouse and you're not sick? You're just full of nonsense. Please put up your hand down. Please, please. please. <laughs> then it says there, then come together again so that, for the, because there's a reason he says it, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Do not withhold yourself ever from your spouse. Ever, 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 ever. Never say no, ever, unless you're ill. Or you're praying and you're fasting. And if you never pray and fast, then you can only be sick. Ho, ho, ho. Is this a tough one for some of you? If you want to have a happy marriage... Don't violate this. If you want to put, give Satan a foothold in your marriage, tempt fate. Tempt fate. And I guarantee you, well, according to statistics, most lose. So don't tempt fate. I, I often share, share the truth, oh, the fact that a car needs, what? Fuel to run. Likewise, the number one need of a man is sex. That's the way God made a man. And if you withhold from him the very thing he needs, you must know he will go and look for another filling station to fill it up. Guaranteed if he's not a godly, godly man. And that's why there's so much divorce, church. That's why there's so much infidelity in the world and even in the church. Because we violate God's truths. We violate habits that he says, stick to, live by in your marriage. I think some of you need to pay me for this truth. You young guys that are not married yet, this is gold. It's serious. So many people would pay you for that if you share them with that truth. Because it is, it is, it is, it it can ensure that you have a happy marriage, and you never fall off the bus in this regard. Another thing I think that is very important is you need to work at affection. You need to work at connecting. You need to work at being tender to your spouse. Otherwise, eventually, if you allow love making to dissipate in your marriage, you know what? All you will be is roommates, or if you don't, not roommates. 
and your love, fun and sexual happiness to be in your marriage, all that you will be is just business partners. Who of your business partners or roommates? Don't allow your devices to seduce you into neglecting your spouse and your spouse's needs. Hello? Remember that intimacy is the glue that holds your marriage together. It's one of the things that, it's just amazing the way once you've had a ding and then you make love, it's just a way of those things just dissipating. Just a way that God has brought that in. There's research that says that if you hug for 10 seconds or more, your, uh, your blood pressure actually goes down. And it releases in the wife what they call a feel-good hormone, which is oxytocin. And, and, and it even helps the levels of stress hormones to decrease. Do you know that? I said to my wife, no, that's not fair. That you can have these, this oxytocin, this endorphins coming into your body, but I don't. Come on, that's not fair. But I want to encourage you, make sure that you hug your spouse. She needs that. A woman's number one need is affection. To feel tre- treasured. And my wife always says, treat me like a porcelain doll. An expensive one. Sadly, I think I've dropped the porcelain dolls. <laughs> sometimes, I try not to, but I think I do sometimes. So I want to encourage you. Do not neglect this area in your marriage. If you can't, well, then it's a different kettle of fish, you know. But I do feel that you need help in that regard if you've got problems in this area. Especially if the one that wants and the one doesn't. And everyone has different rhythms. Don't go and look on the internet this one this many times. That's a lot of rubbish. Whatever works in your marriage and there's complete fulfillment from both sides, that's great. Okay? Are we on the same page? Hello? Right. Next point. Be committed to sacrificial servanthood. One of the main reasons marriages fall apart is because I'm not in it for the corporate good, I'm in it for myself. And I find the older you get, the less selfish you become. And the more willing you are to serve your spouse. And if you want a happy marriage, learn to serve your spouse in whatever area that your spouse needs. To have their cup full to overflow. And you will see it will come back tenfold to you. Guaranteed. Ephesians 5 verse 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave himself up as a living sacrifice. He literally gave his life. And gave himself up for her to make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. Husbands, give yourself up, even if it means to death. How tough is that one? Eh? Who's doing a good job in that one? Bit of a tough one, eh? So, until, until you are dead, you're not finished trying, Okay. Just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, we need to be willing to give ourselves up. And when you serve your spouse, you know what? She will serve you. And when you treat her like a queen, she'll treat you like a 
speaking. It is a reciprocal, it's just a truth of nature. It's just the way it is. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you sow everything into her life that you are able to. Now, if some of you are addicted to something in your life that brings division in your marriage, get it out of your life. You might be addicted to alcohol, to, I don't know, cigarettes. You might be addicted to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever these social medias are. If you have anything like that that brings division there and you're so addicted that you neglect your spouse, stop it. You, you need to be even willing to let go of that, to sacrifice it for the greater good of your marriage. Okay? So be committed to sacrificial servanthood. Number four, be committed to sexual fidelity. In other words, there's no premarital sex whatsoever. You are entering into a monogamous one man, one woman relationship for the rest of your life when you get married. Hebrews 13 verse 4, it says there, marriage should be honored by all, by everyone. Okay? And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Who of you are busy with emotional affairs? I pray, pray and trust no one. You can have an emotional affair on Facebook or on any of these social platforms. Be careful of that. I always say, I was counseling someone this week, I, I said, you do not contact your exes. Period. You have no right in doing that. Stop that nonsense with immediate effect because the wife had a problem with that. So I said, well, what are you doing then? What's no, they just finished. I said, that's, that ends the day you got married. Finished. Chuck it out. Does not, you do not even entertain it in your marriage, period. My wife's a cheeky wife. She just says straight out, boom, this is how it works. And I say, no problem. Why? Because I chose her. And if that affects her, which it will do and it does, then leave it. Don't, de- don't go and give this devil an opportunity in your married marriage when, under no circumstance. Do you know you're going to be shocked? Who are the greatest aggressors in infidelity today? Take a guess. The male or the female? Hmm? No. It's changed. It's become the female. It used to be in the past. It's now where women have surpassed men. How sad is that? That just goes to show what a bad job we're doing as men. Because a woman wants that affection and to feel cherished and loved and wanted. And if she doesn't find it at home, she will look for it elsewhere. But even if you don't get it at home, you make sure that you go and you sit down with these points and you till, the, till you get what you need. And we men can no longer use the excuse, but I don't know how to be romantic and all of this load of nonsense because when we, in the, when we first courted our spouse, we knew how to do it. Go back to those truths. Go back to those dating and all of those kind of things that we should do. Number five. Be committed to financial unity. Genesis 2 verse 24 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And you say, why do you put that scripture there? 
you will be united you will cleave to one another and you will be ni- united as one in what areas including your finance finances there's no longer if you're going to get married and you have a your and my mentality i guarantee you your marriage is going to be in trouble i don't care who you are i don't care what you believe you will be in tr- trouble there will come a day you're going to have a major major problem in your marriage if you get married you choose to become one that means that what's yours is mine and what mine is yours we are one and we talk about ours we no longer talk about your and mine that terminology you need to delete from your mentality very quickly if you have it in your marriage and i'm very hard on this because i believe it is so script it talks about and they be, and to be united to his wife united be, is be, becoming one and it means financially also because when you get married you're creating a new legacy a new history together as one so divorce is not even a uh, terminology that should even enter into your marriage you do not even use that that word in your marriage you do not threaten that ever in your marriage even if you have you'd stop that immediately you don't allow that word to come into your thought pattern you have no right as a kingdom citizen to allow that terminology in your marriage hello if you have you repent and you say lord forgive me for even speaking it let alone entertaining those thoughts in my marriage have you got that clear we together are creating a future a legacy together i don't care about the contracts and the prenup and all of that those are just systems that are put in place your mentality though must be one okay i would counsel you to have a prenup i would but i would not counsel you for one second to have the mentality of yours and mine never i guarantee you your marriage is in serious trouble if you think like that and you'll have a lot of friction you will have a lot of friction if you think like that number 6 be committed to being buddy sorry i'm trying to have two words best friends okay remember wives however he's not your girlfriend okay i need to say that he's not your girlfriend okay be careful of that i think some women women they get married and then they want him to be their girlfriend and a man is not a girl and our interests are different in most respects they're very different and when you want your husband to be your girlfriend you have got problems so be aware of that however i do believe that you're to be best friends because in the beginning were you not best friends so you should stay best friends and that takes tremendous work let me tell you i think i fail in this <laughs> i think i fail in that regard i try but i don't think i'm the greatest of romances and all of that but i do try but i do know that you need to work at being and choosing to be your be- the my wife is my best friend but i don't think i'm an amazing friend i don't like endless conversations i've told my wife when, when we get to heaven you can carry on this conversation 
But it doesn't change the fact that I love her. Do you understand? Because sometimes time constraints are in place. Hello? Yeah, I think I put too much on my plate sometimes, but God will sort me out in that regard, I know. Don't choose Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever or whatever and have an affair with that. Because that is not going to bring fond memories that will last forever. Hello? Be careful of that. Be very careful of that. Genesis 2 verse 24 to 25 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united or cleave to his wife and they will become one flesh. Then it says that the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. How awesome is that, eh? You shouldn't have any feelings of shame in your marriage. I know of people that have never seen their spouse naked. Can you believe that? If you are like that, please change that quickly. Hello? I'm washed, so I don't have to feel, have the, the, the past behind me and feeling of, of shame. And vice versa, my spouse doesn't have to feel shame. But that's not the point that I'm wanting to get on. It says they'll be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. <coughs> if you go deeper into this, it says here, leave your mother and father. You cannot have your mother and father in your marriage. First God and then each other. And if you allow your parents to come in between your marriage, you're in super trouble. I had someone on Friday come and see me. He's, he wants to get married. His first, of all, his first marriage lasted seven weeks. Because he said, his, she, his wife said to him, Oh, by the way, uh, my parents are moving to uh, East London and I'm going with them and I've already found your job there. He said, Oh, is it day? Eh? I ain't going nowhere. Hmm? Very dangerous, eh? May you be willing to let go of your mother and your father and cleave to your wife that they, she becomes or he becomes the most important thing second to God in your life. May you also leave and cleave from your children. For those of you that allow your children to become the number one, you are also in serious trouble because there comes a day and age where they are out the house and then you only have each other. And those of you that have just had that and have had it long time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't romanced and been best friends all this, suddenly you, who are these two people? They're strangers. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I hope it does. It becomes even more exciting. May it be in every one of our marriages. So, stay away from devices that, and those kind of things that interfere in your marriage. Hey? Make sure that your spouse is your number one cheerleader, your best friend. Your greatest confidant. May you encourage one another. May you think, talk about one another. May you we kiss each other when you leave the house, when you come back, when you get up in the morning. Stop. Do not allow affection to dwindle in your marriage. Stay best friends, but also stay lovers. Okay. And those are things you have to work at. It doesn't just come off. 
And I ask my wife, if I come home and she doesn't get up and say hello, what do I do? I get, tell her that's absolute nonsense. In the, in the beginning I say, whoa, 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 this is not how it works. Why? Because you have to choose to work at it, that you have a happy marriage. Then some people say you should also have a weekly date night. <laughs> well, well, I don't know what to say on that one. Maybe I must just leave it and run away because men fail maybe once a year now. <laughs> but I still love my wife. So those of you that want to take good counsel, make sure <laughs> that you have a once a week date now. That's what I, that's what I, because I do, I mean, there's counseling, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And many have said that's what, <laughs> sorry, I just, I'm honest with you, I fail 100, no, 99%. <laughs> I do try to spend some time, and I do spend some time, I don't know about dates though, okay, so, maybe I'll put it, do a candle <laughs> You don't always have to go out, but I encourage you, if you can, if you, yeah, if your spouse needs that, make sure you do it, okay? I think, praise God, I don't have a wife that has to have that. I don't know, I'll have to find this out, okay? Number seven, <clears throat> be committed to resolving conflict. Who, who enjoys conflict here? Please put up your hand. Do you really? Not one of us, do you see? Not one of us enjoy conflict. The problem is most of us run away from conflict. And when there is conflict, we don't know how to resolve it. And this is one of probably one of the greatest needs is to teach people how to fight fair. Who of you have fought unfair in your married life? Please put up your hand. Only me and two or three people. For, come on, man. You're the rest of your bunch of liars. I don't believe it for one second. Come on. I think all of us have somewhere the time fought unfair in our married life. And we need to learn to fight fair, if I can put it like that. Let me read Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We need to learn to be forgiving and to let go of hurts in our life. Ephesians 4 verse 26 to 27. Let's just put a bit of a foundation to this. In your anger do not sin. doesn't say don't get angry. All of us get angry. Why? It's a human emotion that God put in place. Please note Jesus even got angry. Hello? But in our anger, do not sin. That is the key. Okay? Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. However, if you have got angry and the sun's already gone down, well, then you're in trouble, eh? And do not give the devil a foothold. And there are times where you will have dings in the night and it just you just can't resolve it. Well, then maybe it's better just to sleep and then sort it out. However, it's a bad thing to live and not sort it out then the next day. Okay? 
Try and resolve your conflicts as soon as possible and do not allow them to fester because eventually they, they fester and this little molehill becomes a mountain and the mountain eventually becomes a hurdle in one's life that you no longer want to climb. I want to encourage you to learn to fight the problem and not each other because you are not, you are not the problem. The issue is the problem. And I find sometimes when we complain about things but do nothing to help solve the problem, you'll just have endless friction. So rather say, how can we, this is an issue in my life, how can I help solve this? But together we help solve this. Let, them, let your issues bring you together, not tear you apart. Learn to speak to your spouse with respect and with honor. And don't expect your spouse to read your mind. Woman, you're terrible in this. Sorry to say. Sometimes you women think that we are mind readers. We, can I give you a secret? We are actually Dorfus men. <laughs> I've said to my wife, tell me straight. Kum, kum, kum. But you should know. This is what I want. No, no, no. We don't know. Hello? May that be a revelation to your wives. We don't know. We don't have the sixteenth sense that, oh no, that we, we try to, but I tell you most of the time we fail. And I, yes, I know that we should anticipate your needs, and there are some times that we do anticipate the needs, and that's also. But there are other times a wife has a need, and they do not tell us, and they expect us just to know, and we don't, and then they're upset because, well, we didn't meet that need. And I want to encourage you, be straight with us. We have no problem with that. Just do it lovingly. Do it kindly, not derogatory. Let me, let me also say on this regard, a man, a, what a man does in his work and what he accomplishes is very much linked to who he is. And when you attack what he does, you must know you're attacking his very person. And he'll, with, he'll withdraw from you. And be careful of that. Because I found that a big problem in many marriages. And then lastly, in this regard, never allow your bedroom to be a place of conflict. If, you're going to, if you want to address an issue, do it elsewhere. Not in a safe haven. Hello? And then lastly, be committed to accepting differences. Believe it or not, a man and a female are very different. And most times... Um, the man is attracted to a very different wife and a wife is attracted to a very different man. And those differences attract us. And that's what makes us such a great team. But you have to learn to work with those differences. Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, Be humble and gentle in every way. Be patient with each other and lovingly accept each other. Who of you sometimes think that your wife is crazy? Please put up your hand. Be honest. Come on. Come on. Every one of you men put up your hand. You now she wants to clap him. Who, okay, wives, your turn. Wives, your turn. Who of you sometimes think that your husband is super weird? Please put up your hand. Do you see? Come on. We're different. That's the way God made us. And we're not to fight it. We to say, how do we mesh this? Not do this. But how, to, how do we together 
become the greatest unity, the greatest force of reckoning. And the greatest blessing to society. Because when a husband and a wife flows together in a home, it's a beautiful thing. And in society, it's a beautiful thing. Because we'll have a strong nation. And the nations of this world are falling apart because the marriages are crumbling. Why? Because we want to do it our own way. We want to be like Frank Sinatra. And that is a recipe for absolute disaster. May I just say also that I believe 100% that your spouse is equal to you. 100%. I'm no better than my wife, and my wife's no better than me. She might be cleverer, read faster, have more degrees, etc., etc. We are still equals. She might earn 10 times what I earn. We are still equals. However, when it comes to marriage, you have different roles. And you need to differentiate between those roles. And now, nowadays, when you speak on wives submit to the husband, or it actually says submit one to another as out of reverence for Christ. And then it carries on talk, says about wives submit to your husband out of reverence to God. And most people now, they hear uh, that word, they want to run. Because it's because they don't understand the structure of God and the beauty and the wisdom that it brings about. And I believe that God has put us together as husband and wives as equal, yet we have different roles. And at the end of the day, you can have only one chief in a marriage. And you're not the boss, but someone eventually has to make the final call. And there are certain times where the husband has to say, well, we don't agree on this, we're rather going to go with this. I don't agree with you, but I choose to submit. But remember, men, you are going to be held accountable before God, and he's going to judge you for you the decision you make. And if the decision we make is ungodly, he's going to give us a hiding. If it's neither here nor there, and it's a neutral decision, well, you need to both accept and take what's coming your way. But at the end of the day, the wife has to choose for for peace sake to say, okay, I don't agree with you, but because I love you, I'll submit. And you know what? When you do that and you honor your husband in that regard, man, he will do anything for you. Right, men? Men, second greatest need is to be honored and respected. When you dishonor man and disrespect him, you are causing you're you're going to reap a whirlwind in your marriage. Never dishonor your husband or disrespect him, because he he trans he he sees that as my wife doesn't love me. Strange, hey. Women don't think like that. Men think very much like that. If you dishonor me and disrespect me, I immediately pick it up as you don't love me. Wives, number. Second one is to have security. Women want security. And when you always, when there's no security and there's, there's a lack of security and, and what's it, a firm foundation in your marriage, they cannot take it. You'll have emotions that will go from here to there and you'll think, what is this? Where's, it's coming from that. They want security. They want to know that they're the number one. They want to know that you're putting everything that you can in place to make them feel secure. Strange, eh? Amen? Mulekian. Who of you need to implement some of these core habits in your marriage?
Let me put up my hand. Hey? And you know what? If we do, you I guarantee you, you will have a happy marriage. I guarantee you will have a happy marriage. Not I think, I guarantee you. Because I know that when you, when you stick to God's way of doing it, it's a recipe for success. However, when we violate it, it's a recipe for disaster and failure. And God wants our marriages to be happy. He wants us to be best friends, to enjoy one another, to be fulfilled in the wife of our youth. And even in the granny of our, what do you want, however you want to put it, enjoy your spouse. Create memories that will last your lifetime. (coughs) And even if you sometimes feel like murder, that's fine. Just don't do it. Do not let that separate you. Okay? Only death. Amen? Let nothing else separate you except death. One guy said, I've thought many times of uh, murder, but never divorce. May that be the case, okay? Think of it, don't do it. But don't even think of divorce. So, let's just recap quickly. Be committed to praying together, to sexually satisfy your spouse, to be a servant to your spouse. Serve them in their needs, whatever their needs are. Make sure that there's no sexual infidelity whatsoever in your marriage. Do not allow someone of the opposite sex. There's no platonic relationship in marriage. If you're going to get counseling from someone of the opposite sex, I encourage you to have someone else present. Okay? Especially when it's, unless they have big age gap and that, I think it's just wisdom. Financial unity, you work as one. Be best friends, be best buddies. And then learn to resolve conflict because you will have it. And then lastly, learn to accept one another's differences. Because those are the very things that attracted you in the first place. And enjoy those differences. And learn to flow together as one. Amen. Father God, I thank you for every marriage here. I thank you for every person that yearns and desires to get married. I pray for the youngsters that are not yet married. I pray that you would allow these core habits to just solidify in their hearts that they would be better prepared for one day when they come together as husband and wife. Lord, and I pray for every one of us here. I thank you, Lord, for every married couple, and I pray that nothing would put asunder to the marriages in this room. I pray that you would place a hedge around every one of our marriages. But we in turn, from our side, we will work at our marriages And that we would allow these eight habits to become part of our everyday life. That eventually it becomes a habit. We don't even have to think about it. It is just part of our everyday life. And I thank you, Lord, that the marriages in this congregation will be strong. That nothing will separate us. I also pray for those watching via YouTube that they would be challenged and that their marriages would just go from strength to strength. And even for those that have strong marriages, that they, their marriage would just go up another notch or two. And I thank you for my spouse, Lord. And I pray that you would help me to be a godly husband and an amazing lover to her. Someone that puts her first above all others, second to you. And I pray that every one of us say amen to that in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen.
you I failed 100 no 99% <laughs> I do try to spend some time and I do spend some time I don't know about dates though because uh, maybe I'll put it do a candle <laughs> you don't always have to go out but I encourage you if you can if you yeah if your spouse needs that make sure you do it okay I think, praise God, I don't have a wife that has to have that. I don't know, I'll have to find this out. Okay. Number seven. <clears throat> Be committed to resolving conflict. Who, who enjoys conflict here? Please put up your hand. Do you really? Not one of us, do you see? Not one of us enjoy conflict. The problem is most of us run away from conflict. And when there is conflict, we don't know how to resolve it. And this is one of probably one of the greatest needs is to teach people how to fight fair. Who of you have fought unfair in your married life? Please put up your hand. Only me and two or three people. Four. Come on, man. You're the rest of your bunch of liars. I don't believe it for one second. Come on. I think all of us have somewhere the time fought unfair in our married life. And we need to learn to fight fair, if I can put it like that. Let me read Ephesians 4 verse 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We need to learn to be forgiving and to let go of hurts in our life. Ephesians 4 verse 26 to 27. Let's just put a bit of a foundation to this. In your anger do not sin. doesn't say don't get angry. All of us get angry. Why? It's a human emotion that God put in place. Please note Jesus even got angry. Hello? But in our anger do not sin. That is the key. Okay? Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. However, if you have got angry and the sun's already gone down, well, then you're in trouble, eh? And do not give the devil a foothold. And there are times where you'll have dings in the night and it just you just can't resolve it. Well, then maybe it's better just to sleep and then sort it out. However, it's a bad thing to live and not sort it out then the next day. Okay? Try and resolve your conflicts as soon as possible and do not allow them to fester because eventually they, they fester and the, this little molehill becomes a mountain and the mountain eventually becomes a hurdle in one's life that you no longer want to climb. I want to encourage you to learn to fight the problem and not each other because you are not, you are not the problem. The issue is the problem. And I find sometimes when we complain about things but do nothing to help solve the problem, you'll just have endless friction. So rather say, how can we, this is an issue in my life, how can I help solve this? But together we help solve this. Let, them, let your issues bring you together, not tear you apart. Learn to speak to your spouse with respect and with honor. And don't expect your spouse to read your mind. Woman, you are terrible in this. Sorry to say. 
sometimes you women think that we are mind readers. We, can I give you a secret? We are actually Dorfus men. <laughs> I've said to my wife, tell me straight. Kum, kum, kum. But you should know. This is what I want. No, no, no. We don't know. Hello? May that be a revelation to your wives. We don't know. We don't have the 16 cents that, oh no, the, we, we try to, but I tell you most of the time we fail. And I, yes, I know that we should anticipate your needs, and there are some times that we do anticipate the needs, and that's awesome. But there are other times a wife has a need, and they do not tell us, and they expect us just to know, and we don't, and then they're upset because, well, we didn't meet that need. And I want to encourage you, be straight with us. We have no problem with that. Just do it lovingly. Do it kindly, not derogatory. Ah, let, me, let me also say on this regard, a man, a, what a man does in his work and what he accomplishes is very much linked to who he is. And when you attack what he does, you must know you're attacking his very person. And he'll, with, he'll withdraw from you. And be careful of that, because I find that a big problem in many marriages. And then lastly, in this regard, never allow your bedroom to be a place of conflict. If, you're going to, if you want to address an issue, do it elsewhere. Not in a safe haven. Hello? And then lastly, be committed to accepting differences. Believe it or not, a man and a female are very different. And most times, um, the man is attracted to a very different wife, and a wife is attracted to a very different man. And those differences attract us, and that's what makes us such a great team. But you have to learn to work with those differences. Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, Be humble and gentle in every way. Be patient with each other, and lovingly accept each other. Who of you sometimes think that your wife is crazy? Please put up your hand. Be honest. Come on. Come on. Every one of you men put up your hand. You now she wants to clap him. Who, okay, wives, your turn. Wives, your turn. Who of you sometimes think that your husband is super weird? Please put up your hand. Do you see? Come on. We're different. That's the way God made us. And we're not to fight it. We t- to say, how do we mesh this? Not do this. But how, to, how do we together become the greatest unity, the greatest force of reckoning and the greatest blessing to society? Because when a husband and a wife flows together in a home, it's a beautiful thing. And in society, it's a beautiful thing because we'll have a strong nation. And the nations of the, this world are falling apart because the marriages are crumbling. Why? Because we want to do it our own way. We want to be like French, Frank Sinatra, and that is a recipe for absolute disaster. May I just say also that I believe 100% that your spouse is equal to you. 100%. I'm no better than my wife, and my wife is no better than me. She might be cleverer, 
read faster, have more degrees, etc., etc., we are still equals. She might earn ten times what I earn. We are still equals. However, when it comes to marriage, you have different roles. And you need to differentiate between those roles. And now, nowadays, when you speak on wives submit to the husband, or it actually says submit one to another as out of reverence for Christ. And then it carries on talk, says about wives submit to a husband out of reverence to God. And most people now, they hear uh, that word, they want to run. Because it's because they don't understand the structure of God and the beauty and the wisdom that it brings about. And I believe that God has put us together as husband and wives as equal, yet we have different roles. And at the end of the day, you can have only one chief in a marriage. And you're not the boss, but someone eventually has to make the final call. And there are certain times where the husband has to say, well, we don't agree on this, we're rather going to go with this. I don't agree with you, but I choose to submit. But remember, men, you are going to be held accountable before God, and he's going to judge you for you the decision you make. And if the decision we make is ungodly, he's going to give us a hiding. If it's neither here nor there, and it's a neutral decision, well, you need to both accept and take what's coming your way. But at the end of the day, the wife has to choose for, for peace's sake to say, okay, I don't agree with you, but because I love you, I'll submit. And you know what? When you do that, and you honor your husband in that regard, man, he will do anything for you. Right, men? Men, second greatest need is to be honored and respected. When you dishonor a man and disrespect him, you are causing, you're, you're going to reap a whirlwind in your marriage. Never dishonor your husband or disrespect him. Because he, he, trans, he, he sees that as my wife doesn't love me. Strange, hey? Women don't think like that. Men think very much like that. If you dishonor me and disrespect me, I immediately pick it up as you don't love me. Wives... Second one is to have security. Women want security. And when you always, when there's no security and there's there's a lack of security and, and what's it, a firm foundation in your marriage, they cannot take it. You'll have emotions that will go from here to there and you'll think, what is this? Where's, it's coming from that. They want security. They want to know that they're the number one. They want to know that you're, Putting everything that you can in place to make them feel secure. Strange, eh? Hey, man? We look again. Who of you need to implement some of these core habits in your marriage? Let me put up my hand. Hey? And you know what? If we do, you are guarantee you, you will have a happy marriage. I guarantee you will have a happy marriage. Not I think, I guarantee you. Because I know that when you, when you stick to God's way of doing it, it's a recipe for success. However, when we violate it, it's a recipe for disaster and failure. And God wants our marriages to be happy. He wants us to be best friends, to enjoy one another, to be fulfilled in the wife of our youth. And even in the granny of our 
what do you want, however you want to put it. Enjoy your spouse. Create memories that will last your lifetime. <coughs> and even if you sometimes feel like murder, that's fine. Just don't do it. Do not let that separate you. Okay? Only death. Amen? Let nothing else separate you except death. Yeah, one guy said, I've thought many times of uh, murder, but never divorce. May that be the case, okay? Think of it, don't do it. But don't even think of divorce. So, let's just recap quickly. Be committed to praying together, to sexually satisfy your spouse, to be a servant to your spouse. Serve them in their needs, whatever their needs are. Make sure that there's no sexual infidelity whatsoever in your marriage. Do not allow someone of the opposite sex. There's no platonic relationship in marriage. Okay? If you're going to get counseling from someone of the opposite sex, I encourage you to have someone else present. Okay? Especially when it's, unless they have big age gap in that, I think it's just wisdom. Financial unity, you work as one. Be best friends, be best buddies. And then learn to resolve conflict because you will have it. And then lastly, learn to accept one another's differences because those are the very things that attracted you in the first place. And enjoy those differences and learn to flow together as one. Amen. Father God, I thank you for every marriage here. I thank you for every person that yearns and desires to get married. I pray for the youngsters that are not yet married. I pray that you would allow these core habits to just solidify in their hearts, that they would be better prepared for one day when they come together as husband and wife. Lord, and I pray for every one of us here. I thank you, Lord, for every married couple, and I pray that nothing would put asunder to the marriages in this room. I pray that you would place a hedge around every one of our marriages. But we in turn, from our side, we will work at our marriages. And that we would allow these eight habits to become part of our everyday life. That eventually it becomes a habit. We don't even have to think about it. It is just part of our everyday life. And I thank you, Lord, that the marriages in this congregation will be strong that nothing will separate us. I also pray for those watching via YouTube, that they would be challenged and that their marriages would just go from strength to strength. And even for those that have strong marriages, that they, their marriage would just go up another notch or two. And I thank you for my spouse, Lord. And I pray that you would help me to be a godly husband and an amazing lover to her. Someone that puts her first above all others, second to you. And I pray that every one of us say amen to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's why you never...